If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our health care system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Thanks, Alex. To purchase Longevity products, go to the KCAA website at kcaaradio.com and click on the Longevity banner on the upper right side of the KCAA homepage. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Now it's time for Culture Shocks with your host, Barry Lynn. All right, and welcome to today's edition of Culture Shocks. This is Barry Lynn. Uh, okay, on rare occasions over the years, I've had my own uh, spouse, my own wife, Joanne, on the program to talk about medical things and particularly health care at the end of life. Uh, and, of course, I love my wife, and we've been married for 42 years. But sometimes I'm really happy that I'm married to her because of what she is, a doctor, because then she can clarify certain medical and scientific questions that I find myself asking, for example, watching the evening news. So the other night I see a story about a new strain of bird flu, which some scientists are quite fearful will jump to humans and potentially be a medical disaster. But here's the weird thing. This bird flu doesn't actually make birds sick. It doesn't make birds sick. They still call it bird flu. Why would you call it bird flu if it doesn't make the birds sick? Joanne had an answer, and I'm sure that uh, my guest today, probably both of them, would have an answer to this question too, because what we're talking about today is the relationship the connections between human health and animal health. The book now out in paperback is Zubiquity. It's written by Dr. Barbara Natterson Horowitz and uh, journalist Catherine Bowers, both of whom join me today right here in Culture Shocks. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Catherine, for being with us. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Hey, do you have an answer to this whole bird flu thing? Well, um, this is Barbara. And, you know, there are so many connections between the health of humans and animals. And, you know, some of them are, of course, related to infectious diseases, things like bird flu and, of course, West Nile virus and, mm-hmm. and SARS and, and all these other really kind of scary infections that we've been hearing about in the last 10 years or so. 
But actually, the connections go well beyond the, the, the fact of infection. I mean, one of the things we were really excited about learning was the deep connections between the mental illnesses of animals and humans, the heart disease in animals and humans, obesity, eating disorders, um, problems with adolescence, all of these kinds of connections that we don't necessarily think about first. And, and this is what, uh, Catherine, you've called zubiquity, this connection, the, the, not simply looking at the kind of phenomenon of jumping from an animal to a human. We'll talk a little about that, but it's far more ranging than that. It, this is your word, zubiquity. That, that's right. This is Catherine, and Barbara and I coined that term because we've been working together, really researching the overlap between animal medicine and human medicine and asking ourselves if we humans are actually human animals, why do veterinarians and physicians not collaborate more? And we looked everywhere we looked, we kept seeing these overlaps, as Barbara just mentioned, and uh, we didn't have a specific word to describe it. So we decided to come up with our own, and we took the green word for animal, which is zo, Z-O, and combined it with the Latin word for everywhere and came up with zubiquity. <laughs> um, you have found, would you say, an animal parallel to virtually every human disease. And this goes back quite a way because, of course, in the book you talk about Jurassic-era uh, dinosaurs having cancers. So how about in contemporary medicine? Is there a parallel to everything or at least so many things that you're sure that once you get around to studying everything, you'll find that there's always a parallel? Yeah, this is Barbara. There are so many parallels and so many unexpected parallels. When we started the project, we, we created a little um, kind of a rubric, a, a way of thinking about this. Uh, if I saw any condition in a human patient uh, in my work as a cardiologist at UCLA, we looked for it in the veterinary literature. So our list uh, included, we asked the question, do animals get? And our list mm -hmm. included, do animals get? breast cancer? Do they get um, cardiac arrhythmias? Could an animal get a sexually transmitted disease? And so on and so forth. And to every one of those questions, which by the way included things like, you know, could an animal become obese? Could an mm -hmm. animal develop an eating disorder? The answer was yes. So uh, we, although there are of course some diseases that are unique to each species, the vast majority of the problems that we confront as human beings happen to animals too. Hey Catherine, uh, on the Jurassic era dinosaur cancer thing, how does one find out uh, this late in the game that there were cancers? I'm assuming you don't have these critters on an island somewhere even though they just re-released Jurassic Park in 3D. <laughs> Um, most of the cancer that has been studied in dinosaurs has been in their bones, and they do have um, evidence of bony tumors, tumors that would affect a bone, um, because that's the fossil evidence that we have left. But, um, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's harder to study those soft tissues. But the, the idea is that um, cancer is essentially a disease of mutating DNA, and um, any animal, any, any organism really that's alive has DNA that mutates and mutations can lead to cancer and dinosaurs had DNA so dinosaurs would have had cancer. Uh, Dr. Nadison Horowitz, uh, is there a parallel between, is there a greater similarity between diseases where there is a huge quantity, a huge percentage of shared DNA. For example, 98.6% uh, of chimpanzee DNA is just like human DNA. Uh, sorry, folks, if you don't accept the evidence of evolution, uh, 
write me. Uh, but rattlesnakes, I forget what it is. I think it's 49% similarity. Is the greater the similarity of DNA, does that always or usually reflect uh, a greater parallel in the disease organisms or the, the way in which the disease presents itself? And, I, yeah, I think the answer would be logically sure. The more we are genetically connected to a, another species, the more likely it is that we're going to have diseases that are, are at least more similar uh, in us and them. And yet, you know, you mentioned snakes, so I'll just go there. You know, there are instances of snakes developing leukemia and lymphoma. Really? Yeah. So, um, but, but in general, sure, we... You know, the closer we are genetically, the more we're going to connect. But there's also some interesting differences uh, even between species that would make someone's susceptibility to cancer uh, have more in common with an animal than with maybe their neighbor down the block. Yeah, that's actually a great point. Uh, we learned about, you know, we, we talked about breast cancer quite a lot, and you know, we learned that there are certain animals, uh, for example, big cats like lions and tigers, uh, jaguars, leopards, who have a high incidence of breast cancer. And there are some interesting reasons why they, that, that happens in them. They have a mutation that's shared by certain women um, that are also predisposed to breast cancer. And on the other hand, we learned that, that uh, what the veterinarians call these animals, they call professional lactic. Hmm. And these are dairy cows and, um, and dairy goats. These animals who lactate their entire lives, they almost never get breast cancer, which is a really no interesting connection. Because, so, yeah. Yeah, and how, uh, I mean, are these uh, surveys, and one thing I, I do, and I, I don't mean to suggest it here, but, uh, you know, somebody comes out with a brain study and they find some uh, little uh, area of the brain and then all of a sudden social scientists get in and develop whole theories based on one or two studies. But you, you're looking at a large number of studies to demonstrate things like the, the relative rate of cancers in big cats versus cows. Well, the problem is really that the veterinary literature has much smaller numbers than the, than the human uh, medical literature. Yeah. For example, you know, on the human side, we do clinical trials that involve thousands and thousands of patients, you know, in these large multi-center, placebo-controlled, you know, prospective randomized trials. Well, veterinarians don't have the numbers of patients. They aren't in a situation where they can do those kinds of trials. So very often um, what we were relying on was the best available mm -hmm. evidence, and, and, you know, often that was anecdotal or, you know, uh, uh, several animals that had necropsies done on them. Interesting. We've got to take a little break. When we come back, uh, we're going to find out uh, how uh, this whole enterprise got started when Dr. Barbara Natterson Horowitz, uh, our co-author, along with Catherine Bowers, was told uh, she could uh, actually give a monkey a heart attack. Um, this A monkey a heart attack? I don't know. I don't know if maybe monkeys go secretly and watch things like Evil Dead, and, and maybe it scares them so much they have heart attacks. I wonder if that even happens to humans. We'll find out. Subiquities, the book, Barbara Natterson Horowitz and Catherine Bowers are its authors that continue with us right here on Culture Shocks. I'm your host, Barry Lynn. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. 
Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Start life over. Spend more quality time with your family. Take more vacations. Own your own business. Be healthy and earn the kind of income you've always dreamed of. Is it possible? Yes, with Longevity. First, you've got to see the video that is turning the medical industry upside down. Go to HealthyBody13.com. That's HealthyBody13.com. Watch this video. Then pre-register for the Spring Longevity Convention, May 2nd through 4th in Las Vegas, Nevada. And guess who will be there? Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. I prescribe the Healthy Body Challenge, and I'll be there. Hi, I'm Steve Schultz, Vice President of Training here at Longevity. I'm taking the Healthy Body Challenge, and I'll be there. Hi, this is Ted Anderson, President of the Genesis Communications Network. I'm taking the Healthy Body Challenge, and I'm going to be there. Take the Healthy Body Challenge, and don't miss the Longevity Convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, May 2nd through 4th. For more information, go to HealthyBody13.com or call 1-800-360-8695. That's 800-360-8695. All right, we 
are back right here on Culture Shocks, and we're talking to Dr. Barbara Natterson Horowitz and Catherine Bowers, a journalist who uh, has been specializing in a lot of writing of, uh, um, on medical issues. Their book, now out in paperback, is Zubiquity, The Astonishing Connection Between Human and Animal Health. It was the best book of the year, according to Discover Magazine over at uh, the Discovery Institute, uh, and got rave reviews in a lot of other places, including, oh, Oprah's Magazine. Okay, so Dr. Uh, Anderson Horowitz, you started this whole thinking about the relationship between animal health and human health when you were uh, you were told that you you might actually give a monkey a heart attack. Now, how, how did that happen? Well, yeah, I mean, basically, I, you know, I'm a regular cardiologist. I yeah. take care of human patients who have heart attacks and, and you know, cardiac arrhythmias and high cholesterol. But um, I had this wonderful opportunity to spend some time with the veterinarians at our local zoo. And I was working under the veterinarians, of course, um, and occasionally physicians get to do this. And one day there was um, a little tamarind monkey that they were going to do a cardiac ultrasound on. And tamarind monkeys are so cute. They're, they're tiny. They, uh, they live at the top of the canopy of the rain forest in Central and South America, and on this particular day, this little monkey was just so adorable. We were um, giving her some uh, inhalational agents to make her sleepy, mm-hmm. and so I came very, very close to her. I crouched down. I opened my eyes really wide, and I said, oh, Spitzbuben, you are so cute. <laughs> I was trying to connect with her. Uh, you know the way I would connect with a Sure or a child. At that point, the veterinarian um, put his hand on my shoulder and said, please back up. You're going to scare her. You're giving her, you're going to give her capture myopathy. So, um, well, I did what I was told, but I, Capture myopathy was a term I'd never heard. You know, I've been a physician for, you know, over 20 years, and I just, I just never heard that, of that. So I went home, and I learned that for, for many decades, veterinarians have been describing a syndrome that when animals are very, very frightened, uh, there's a surge of adrenaline in their bodies, and this adrenaline can poison the muscles of their body, including their heart muscle, and sometimes it can kill them suddenly. And what, what was really interesting was that vets have known about this for literally for decades. It's been in their literature. But it was only in about the year 2000 that the human literature began describing the possibility of fear-induced sudden death in human beings. So uh, it was really thrilling to know that, you know, the vets had all this knowledge and that we might something we might we need to pay attention to i was just visiting my cardiologist this morning at an echocardiogram i i had maybe i didn't think about the possibility of uh looking you know it's dark at least mine was done mostly in the dark so maybe i couldn't have seen the eyes of the technician doing the work <laughs> now wait a minute are you saying though that we now do think that you can be scared to death i mean that was an idea back in the 20s and 30s and then kind of fell out of favor but now apparently it's back Catherine. um i know that it ever went away but you mentioned the movie the evil evil dead and yeah. we in the research that we did we did find case reports of people who had had severe cardiac events and that's what they call it in wow. the medical literature uh, after having seen scary movies and really? indeed uh, experiences with sudden emotion being left at the altar suddenly winning millions of dollars in a lottery getting terrible yeah. news losing your life savings with the roll of a dice these kinds of sudden emotional moments have effects on our hearts, and uh, sometimes those can lead to death. Wow. That's, uh, I'm glad I don't jump too much. Um, 
you know, when I see those movies. I, I, um, yeah, I really actually did not until I was reading in your book just yesterday. I mean, I had no idea uh, that you could literally have that or that there were reports of, of, of death from those experiences. I, I mean, I've heard if you, if you stress yourself too much, it's so many life-changing events that all happen at the same time. You get a divorce and you ch- lose your job, and, and it kind of piles up. But this seems like a, a slightly different phenomenon than that. Well, one thing that I was interested to read about, this is Catherine, is that, is that you're right. First of all, the, the layering of these kinds of events can have a, a harmful effects on our bodies. But, um, but the idea that you, it's not, you don't necessarily die on the spot from them, that even animals, mm-hmm. shorebirds who have these kinds of sudden bursts of essentially it's adrenaline that poison their muscles, right. including their hearts, um, they, they sometimes just, they can recover from it, but it takes them a few days, and it's like recovering from any other physical huh. injury. So I was in, interested in the idea of needing a few days to, to recover from an emotional injury, but sure. it really does have a physical component. Absolutely. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, one of the other things you alluded to at the beginning was uh, obesity. There is animal obesity. As, in, in a general sense, as creatures get bigger, they're more prone to things, including uh, cancer. I mean, elephants more than rhinoceroses. Uh, and I guess, uh, how about bigger elephants rather than smaller ele- elephants? What, what do you think is the issue of getting bigger, being more prone to cancer? And then we'll talk about the big exception in a minute. But in general, big people, big elephants get more cancer. Well, you know, it's, that's an interesting hypothesis. It actually, one of the theories we learned about sort of suggests that the opposite is true. Uh, back uh, some decades ago, there was a British scientist, and he, made the, he said, look, if, if cancer happens based on cell division, when cells divide mm-hmm. and, and, and DNA is replicated, that's when the mistakes can be made that will lead to cancer. Well, if that's true, then the more cells that replicate in any given animal, the greater the chance would be that that animal would have cancer. And so based on that hypothesis, he said, every whale, by the time every whale reached the age of 50, uh, it should have colon cancer. But it turns out that is not true. It seems to be that these larger animals like elephants and whales seem to have a lower rate of cancer, which is a really intriguing hypothesis and opens up a lot of fascinating um, avenues for investigating. But then it suggests that perhaps something else is going on, that even if as a, in other species there seems still to be, I believe, a connection between size and cancer, but when it, then you get to these outliers, I mean, the biggest of the big, the giant whales, and uh, that there's perhaps something that's going on within the metabolism or the body's Precisely. Uh, yeah. Right. Or, or even in their, in their genetic codes, the kind of genetic proofreaders that keep yeah. the cells from turning cancerous. But I think you're, you're also right that our research did turn up that uh, size differences within a species, say between a gymnast and a basketball player or a small dog and a large dog, yeah. you can see more cancers in the larger versions within a species. Yeah. Uh, they used to sell shark cartilage uh, to prevent cancer because the, the theory or the claim that sharks don't get cancer, is that true? It's definitely not true. Unfortunately, sharks can get cancer. Yeah, and uh, taking shark cartilage is not going to keep you from getting it. Yeah, and that, and unfortunately, that myth, and it is a myth, has resulted in um, you know the slaughter of, of endangerment.
environment of a lot of sharks. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we've discussed that actually on the show. When we come back, we're going to go back briefly to an issue that I began talking about, and that is jumping. Uh, one of the ways that you see the connection between a disease and an animal and a disease and a human is when... At an, some kind of organism a dro a drops a virus, for example, moves from one species to another. The fear and the reality of the HIV-AIDS epidemic is where we'll start with Barbara Nederson-Harowitz and Catherine Bowers, the authors of the fine new book out in paperback, Zubiquity. We'll be back. Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn is heard on the Genesis Communication Network. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hey there, my name is Frank Bates. Do you know the number one most valuable item in a crisis? Some people think the answer is gold. Others think it's a gun. But the correct answer will shock you. I just created a free video at Crisis123.com that reveals a surprising item that is more valuable than gold in a crisis. 97% of Americans don't have this one critical item. In fact, they haven't even given it a thought. And the sad truth is that you may not survive without it when a real crisis hits and a starving mob is right outside your door. What I have to tell you could literally make the difference between life and death for you and your family. Watch my video at Crisis123.com to discover the number one most valuable item in a crisis. You'll be shocked. See the controversial video that thousands of other smart patriots have already seen in the last three months. Go watch my video now at Crisis123.com before they force me to shut it down. Again, that's Crisis123.com. 
Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. All right, we are back uh, right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn, and we're talking to the two co-authors of Zubiquity, the astonishing connection between human and animal health, now out in paperback. Barbara Natterson Horowitz, Dr. Uh, Natterson Horowitz, cardiologist and uh, journalist, particularly uh, in the medical scientific world, uh, Catherine Bowers. Okay, uh, during the early stages of the HIV-AIDS epidemic, there are a lot of theories about how this disease started. For a while, there was a sense of it started in Africa, and there must have been human-ape sexual contact. Then there was a development of the idea that uh, in some uh, tribal areas, uh, people were eating uh, the meat of chimpanzees that had been infected and that that was the transmission. Uh, what's, what do we know about that line of inquiry now? Right. Well, that's a great question. And one of the most compelling reasons for um, veterinarians and physicians to be talking a lot more than they have been is the fact that certain diseases can absolutely jump from animals to humans. We know, for example, that HIV uh, made a jump from monkeys to humans. But it, it turns out that there are even unexpected kinds of infections that have important animal-human connections. One of these areas actually is is sexually transmitted diseases. Hmm. So, um, you know, when you think about it, uh, wild animals don't ever practice safe sex. They have multiple sexual partners, so, of course, they're constantly spreading pathogens back and forth. And, gosh, we learned about an epidemic of chlamydia that's been really ravaging koala populations in Australia. We learned about herpes in dolphins and uh, HPV and gonorrhea and syphilis in rabbits. So all kinds of STDs um, are rampant among certain animals. If, if they're rampant upon those, uh, with, within those species and some transmissibility of organisms does occur, we know that the monkey-to-human transmission of, of HIV, then it must be at least theoretically possible that this transmission could happen again. There could be a virus, for example, that we haven't even looked at yet, we haven't discovered, that could make a transition, and uh, as, as every good science fiction movie about this topic shows, sometimes these diseases, I mean, we got lucky, frankly, with HIV-AIDS. It's not airborne. It doesn't mutate all the time. It's been a pretty consistent virus, and therefore we consistently get better at uh, dealing with it. But this is a real and not imagined problem, a jump of something that is far more difficult to control than AIDS. 
Yeah, something that's interesting about the world of microbes is that it's like evolution in real time, mm-hmm. and each generation presents new challenges, and our immune systems are in this sort of evolutionary cat-and-mouse game with the microbes. Um, but what is it that, is there a principle that makes it less likely that this is going to happen regularly or in a catastrophic way? I mean, we started talking about the bird, so-called bird flu, the new strain of it. But is there something that makes it less likely than more likely that this is going to become a human health calamity? No, I think unfortunately there's, it's, it's becoming more likely. More likely. Yeah, that this could happen. I mean, it's estimated now that over half, some people say 60 to 70 percent of the new infections, the emerging infectious pathogens that will cause epidemics and potentially pandemics in human beings are coming from the animal reservoir. And these are diseases, mm. exactly as you're saying, that are going to, that could jump. So that's yet another reason that we need to have a lot of surveillance of what's happening in animal populations, and we need to em- embark on you know, practices that keep animal populations as healthy as possible. And this is Catherine. Mm. This also speaks to the central point of our book, which is that who is on the front lines of animal medicine? It's veterinarians. So right. veterinarians have to be involved in these conversations, whether it's through um, you know academic collaborations or this uh, group called One Health, a movement called One Health that's trying to bring uh, animal and human doctors together around infectious diseases. Yeah, you point out in the book, Catherine, that, that prevention research funding is absolutely dwarfed by the amount of concern and money we spend after an outbreak of something is kind of a, a damage control or triage, you might call it. Why is this? I mean, is this because every time that you give money, and this has just happened in the Obama budget and there's been controversy from Republicans in the Senate over funding research on animals, and they ridicule it and they laugh at it, and they say, oh, $200,000 or half a million dollars to study snails or to study something else. But in fact, these are often designed, I assume, for basic research that ironically could have a human component. I think you're right. I think it's been a real um, either inability or uh, sort of willful ignorance about understanding how connected our health is with other animals. And and when it's when you're looking at investigations on other species, it may seem frivolous or unconnected, but it's actually uh, deeply connected to our own health. Yeah, well, we, we have a tendency here in Washington to think about the next election cycle or actually the next fundraising dinner uh, mm-hmm. and, not, and not the implications of this. And it, it really is annoying. I mean, uh, there used to be a, uh, a well-known uh, senator uh, from Wisconsin, Senator Bill Proxmire, who used to give out these, these awards for wasted money. And, I, you know, Bill Proxmire, is actually a pretty smart guy, but I thought when it came to science or evaluating these studies, uh, he's not far from, you know, Mitch McConnell. He made a lot of, I think, erroneous and insulting claims about about this kind of research. But when you have short-sighted, well, when when the... When the uh, distance you can see is not terribly far, uh, you're going to make these mistakes. How about... uh, 
Doctor, what, what about the critics of medical research on animals? It's kind of the flip side of spending money to study the diseases of animals. If there are similarities, then maybe the people who say, oh, uh, animal research doesn't have any effect on humans, maybe they're wrong, and maybe it turns out to be a better idea. We're not talking about cosmetics and rabbit's eyes. We're talking about fundamental medical research. Yeah, well, that that is an, obviously a really important and complicated issue. Uh, what we're looking at in our in our book, though, is this whole completely unexplored uh, other way of thinking about how we can learn from animals. The the reality is, that take well, take cancer, take heart disease, take any any condition you can think of. Every day around the world, animals. I'm talking about you know marine mammals, fish, birds, terrestrial mammals are getting sick. Just the way we do, there will be, uh, you know, babies born with birth defects. Uh, there will be cancer. There will be congenital problems with the heart. There will be long bone fractures. There will be subdural hematomas. That, I mean, diseases happen spontaneously in all animals, including the human animal. And that fact of spontaneously occurring disease in animals is something that physicians, it's just not on our radar right. at all. And it's a, I think, pro tremendously rich source of information for us. When you, when you say spontaneously occurring, that is to say that you, you cannot locate a cause. It's not like, oh, look, I cut myself, it's infected, now I've got a disease. No, actually, by spontaneously occurring, I mean it just happens naturally versus, versus an animal in a lab where someone would give that animal right. a human disease to study. Okay, so, it's, so it's, it's not spontaneous in the sense like the old theory of spontaneous generation of fruit flies. I mean, it's not something that's just created. We, do we presume that all the microbes that could be dangerous are already out there and we know them, or at least they're there whether we know them or not? Right. Well, my, as Catherine said, um, microbes evolve uh, yeah. all the time, and they're they're changing and shifting. And sometimes that means they become more benign. Sometimes it means they become more dangerous. And um, and of course, as they pass back and forth between humans and between humans and animals and between animals and animals, they they change again. Of course. Okay. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the conversation with uh, Dr. Barbara Natterson Horowitz and Catherine Bowers, the co-authors of Zubiquity: The Astonishing Connection Between Human and Animal health. We'll talk about two things. One, um, a little more about the mental health parallels between the animal kingdom sans humans and humans, and also, of course, sexual behavior. Don't worry and don't turn off the radio and don't faint, even though it turns out canaries even faint. We'll find out what happens when they faint. In fact, we're going to do that right away when we return on Culture Shocks. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. 
You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is renovation teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All renovation teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order renovation teas at renovationtea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Your freedoms are on the line. The Second Amendment is in danger. How soon before your freedoms are taken away? What can you not live without? What is your greatest dependency? Is it your guns? Is it your home? No, it's food. It all boils down to the food supply. Tyrannical governments control people by controlling their food supply. Don't be dependent. Be self-sufficient. Don't wait for the government to feed you. Feed yourself. I can warn you, but I can't feed you. Do like Alex has done and get a supply of food from eFoods Direct. It's the best long-term storable food on the planet. Get the popular Mega Patriot Pack free. A 24-day supply of food plus stove, cook pot, and fuel. Call 800-250-1857 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get up to 20 Mega Patriot Packs free with purchase. Build your food supply, be in control, be self-sufficient, and be a patriot. Call 800-250-1857 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get your free Patriot Pack today. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. back talking about the uh, astonishing connection between human and animal health. The book is Ubiquity, now out in paperback by Barbara Natterson Horowitz, a cardiologist out in California, and Catherine Bowers, a medical and science writer. This was one of the Discover Magazine's best books of the year and has gotten a lot of other good uh, science awards as well. When these canaries faint, by the way, uh, what, do they literally fall out of the sky or do they always faint when they're on the ground? <laughs> 
Darwin who actually described that canary fainting. Yeah. But it, it turns out that, uh, you know, we humans, we, we do faint, and uh, it's one of these puzzles about why it happens. The kind of fainting that's particularly puzzling is, it's called vasovagal syncope. That's a fancy medical term. Yep. Basically, the heart gets very, very slow. So instead of beating 60 to 70 beats per minute, it beats, you know, like 20 or 25, and the person just keels over. So the question is why it happens, and we learned that animals from canaries to lap dogs to even fish, when they're very, very scared, their heart can sometimes get very, very low, and it, and it makes them, uh, if not faint, get very, very still. This huh. is this is Catherine. Yeah. I was so interested to learn this since I'm not a cardiologist. Because I always <laughs> thought when you get scared, your heart beats really quickly. Yeah, right. Yeah, but huh. there's this this other option. So most of us think of fight and flight as the two options, but it turns out there are three. It's not just fight or flight. It's fight, flight, or faint. <laughs> or faint. It, we humans, it turns out, we have that same response, particularly when we're young. And um, during the first Persian Gulf War, the, the Iraqi army was sending Scud missiles into certain communities in Israel. And um, one night, um, a, there were three women were in labor on a maternity ward uh, in Tel Aviv. And they were all equipped with those fetal heart monitors that, you know, keep track sure. of the baby's heart rate. And um, a Scud missile was launched, and these sirens started blaring, um, you know, very loud. They were shrieking from outside and actually from inside as well. And as everyone, all the staff were running to get their gas masks on, some of the nurses who were looking at the monitor noticed something very unexpected. The heart rates of all three of the soon-to-be-born babies plummeted. Hmm. So, indeed, hmm. even before these babies were born, they were equipped with the same wow. protective heart-slowing physiology that all these animals have, too. Very interesting, very interesting stuff. We have to turn to sex here. <laughs> the ring-tailed lemur who mates only once a year. Now, the, of course, the immediate question I had is what do they do the rest of the year? They don't even have televisions. As far as I know, they can't even take a cold shower. But what do they do and how does one species develop that kind of behavior when, uh, you know, the once-a-year mating is usually the end of a really bad joke? really interesting to learn about this um, mating season for lemurs when the males have this one opportunity to to pass their genes on uh, to the next generation. So it can be a very tense situation. And we learned that when a lemur, when a male lemur finally finds a female to begin copulating with, uh, it's, it's, it's tense. They have to be on the lookout for another male lemur to come and grab them and fight them and pull them off. And so um, we learned that veterinarians talk about failed copulation when the male lemur who is in the act uh, suddenly is not able to perform because of the stress. And that translates to stuff we learned about horses, about stallions, mm. that stallions also can have performance problems. Not every day is the right day for them to uh, be successful as a breeder. Right. Uh, in fact, one of the barns that we toured has something called a, a three-mount rule. And uh, uh, they recognize, yeah. veterinarians do, that just like, you know, not every day is going to be the right day. Right, yes, and the three-mount rule does not mean three kids get onto the horse and ride it around in the circle. No, 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 that's a different. Okay, so, um, and then how about other sexual dysfunctions, um, erectile dysfunction? Do you see that in, in uh, animals? Uh, is that related to the three-mount rule, or is is there even more complexity to it? 
emotional, the connection between the brain and sexual function, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's conserved across, at least across mammals, and yep. stress can impact that. You know, on the other end of the spectrum, we learned surprisingly that there are some cows, uh, some female cows who can develop what the veterinarians call nymphomania, and they develop this hypersexual behavior, and they start mounting other cows, but it turns out they have... Uh, what in humans is a very common disorder, something called polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm. And this syndrome in the cows leads to this kind of other kind of sexual dysfunction. So we've talked about the kind of research that could be done and the serious research that could be done uh, and be funded better uh, to look at animal disease because it can be a progenitor of learning about human disease. Is there actual, are there actual multi-species practices where, where you go to a facility kind of as a human with your condition and you have the cat or the dog looked at at the same time? Are, are people doing those combination MD, uh, doctor, veterinarian, practices in a literal practical sense oh that's so interesting it's such a great um, a great way of thinking about it we um, our, our book is really a rallying cry to bring these two fields together yeah. around the shared diseases of animals and humans um, but I've I've often thought that there are populations who could be very well served by even mobile clinics of veterinarians and physicians traveling together people who are maybe uh, can't get out of their house or or have animals who are difficult to um, hard to get out of the house also. So, yeah, we, we don't know of any that are set up at the moment, but it's an interesting thought. And, again, yeah. not that not that this is all one practitioner practicing on animals sure. and humans, but that, that the doctors that treat these animals of many species are working together collaboratively. You know, one area I think we could, we could do right now is the, the field of, of psychiatry. The, you know, when, when we've been learning about how veterinary behaviorists treat eating disorders in animals mm-hmm. and how they deal with animals who have separation anxiety and, uh, and self-injury. You know, there are some human patients who harm themselves. They're, they're called cutters. Yes. There are uh, many species of animals that also self-injure. And um, how veterinarians deal with these kinds of problems of OCD uh, in dogs, for example, is unique. It's very effective. And I think our medical students and uh, people who are training to become psychotherapists could benefit from learning about some of those practices. Well, another thing that seems to be a parallel is that when you find certain behavioral disorders, uh, too much eating uh, or uh, anorexic behavior in girls or young women, there are patterns. There is a social leader, and if he or she says, I'm going to change my lifestyle to, to eat less, it's not... Uh, at all unlikely that other people within that peer group are going to do exactly the same thing, even if it hurts all of them in the long run, and you find that in animal social behavior too. So interesting. Yes, we've talked to zoo veterinarians who treat a bulimia-like syndrome in Mm. gorillas called regurgitation and reingestion. They call it R&R for short. And they say that it spreads socially, that if if a, a dominant member of that troop starts doing it, that others will quote-unquote, learn the behavior and start doing it, too. And even, uh, it's funny because, you know, we both have adolescents, and so we think about, we have a chapter on animal adolescents and some of the the challenges, but we learned about um, drug-seeking behavior. There's a, certain animals seem to seek out psychoactive, naturally occurring psychoactive Mm -hmm. substances. Cattle in the southwest are are one of these animals. They will sometimes eat something called loco weed, and the farmers say that the cows get locoed, and in fact, they start acting kind of crazy. And once one uh, cattle, one cow has started to do this, others 
engage in it too. It's like that cool kid druggie in homeroom who. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would meant 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 that just hypothetically, but no, you're right. But you know, I think it's hard uh, until you explain this, as your book does so well. It's just really easy to ignore parallels like that. You hear about local weed that used to appear in old westerns, you know, and people go, oh, yeah, the cow gets crazy. But they don't think about their own kid maybe under the same social influence and may be getting the same buzz out of a not dissimilar substance. So, but we think that we make those decisions as humans, like, yeah, let's try some pot. But it may not be that simple. Yeah, yes, a couple of thoughts. You know, one is that um, when we were going to school, when I was going to school anyway, I was, we, I was taught do not anthropomorphize. You know, right. That was just not right, scientific. And if you saw anything that seemed human in an animal, you were just projecting. Yep. And so a lot of us come out of that tradition. Well, we that approach needs an update because we now have much more information about genomics, um, about conserved, you know, neurological systems. We're we're much more similar to animals than we are dissimilar. So the real scientific risk isn't anthropomorphizing. I think it's failing to recognize connections when they're real. And of course, we can overdo it. But when you talk about about the drug question and and how we understand it, it, it makes me think about a, a fun story we we learned about when writing the book. Uh, Australia, uh, rather Tasmania, uh, that region is one of the world's leading growers of medical-grade opium. Oh. And the wallabies in Tasmania, some of them will jump over these mm. fences that are erected, and oh. these fences have barbed yep. wire, to access the poppy. Good grief. <laughs> Jumping over a fence to access the poppies. That's how deliberate the actions are. That does it for today's edition of Culture Shocks. The book is Ubiquity by Barbara Natterson Horowitz and Catherine Bowers. Pick it up. A fine look at the connections between humans and other beasts. We'll be back. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Gardeners, here comes another growing season, but don't use last year's soil. Maximize yields in your survival garden with EM1 from Terragonics. EM1 is an organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant that provides a broad spectrum of beneficial microorganisms, enzymes, trace minerals, vitamins, and various organic acids. EM1 helps regulate the soil's pH level and its soil microbes, improving moisture retention and drought tolerance. Remember last year's dry conditions? EM1 from Terragonics is safe, chemical-free, and certified for use on all organic farms. It 
improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, and gives up to 20% more nutrient value in fruits and vegetables and greatly increases shelf life. And EM1 is so simple to use, just mix with water and apply. This year, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganix.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganix, life's getting better. Don't miss a minute of the action. Check out the podcasts at www.kcaaradio.com. The station that leaves no listener behind, AM 1050 KCAA. Let's tally the bank robberies. J.P. Morgan Chase engaged in massive fraud to foreclose without cause or due process on innocent homeowners, tossing thousands of families into the streets. Goldman Sachs profited by marketing an investment package that was designed to fail, collecting millions from a side bet it made that, sure enough, its investors would lose money. HSBC has been butt-deep in a swamp of illegal money-laundering schemes, willingly processing billions of dirty dollars for vicious drug cartels and peddlers of arms to terrorist forces at war with America. Many more examples abound. These are not poor saps desperately robbing a branch bank for a few hundred dollars, but criminal enterprises run by multimillionaire Wall Streeters who run in the finest social circles and hobnob with the nation's political elite. Their corruption is complete. Their crimes are documented. Yet, unlike sad sack bank robbers, not a single one of these robber barons has even been prosecuted, much less jailed. In fact, frustrated prosecutors in the Justice Department's criminal division report that when it came to Wall Street, there were no investigations going on. There were no subpoenas, no document reviews, no wiretaps. Where are the cops on the Wall Street beat? Up in the suites, coddling the culprits. That's because Attorney General Eric Holder and the chief of his criminal division, Lanny Brewer, have previously enjoyed lucrative careers as lawyers defending the very barons they're now supposed to be prosecuting. They know many of them on a first-name basis. Holder and Brewer both hail from the same Washington law firm, Covington and Burling, that specializes in representing corporate clients with legal issues at the Justice Department. This is Jim Hightower saying, See, when engaged in high crimes, it literally pays to have friends in the very highest of places. In recent years, more Americans are becoming uncertain about the future, especially since the idea of global warming has evolved from a political debate to a general acceptance that climate change is real. It's resulting in more violent weather and violent extremes in temperature. It serves no purpose here to speak of fear or to live in fear, but there are common sense signs that suggest that our food security is being impacted. The USDA makes annual forecasts of our nation's corn crop each year. It's instructive to review recent corn yields simply to look at how they are faring with regard to projections. You know, a majority of our diet has corn in it. Did you know that corn production in America has fallen below normal for the past several years? The 2012 crop averaged only 123 bushels to the acre, which is almost one-fourth below USDA projections. This year, the USDA is projecting another record crop, while one-half of the country remains in severe drought. At the same time, we're eating our way through our cattle herds. Ranchers are cutting back herd size because of drought. This year's calf crop will be the lowest since 1949, and the annual calf crop has been declining since 1995. 
None of this is very good news for our food supply. Recently, I discovered a service called GoFoods. The company packages and sells dehydrated, non-GMO, ready-to-eat meals with a long shelf life. After investigating the company, I bought a URL and it's called www.kcaafoods.com. Now this website forwards to the GoFoods product site. Again, GoFoods packages, prepares, and delivers monthly supplies of ready-to-eat, dehydrated, non-GMO meals right to your residence. You simply order it online and you get a month's supply by mail. My GoFood service costs a little over $100 a month, and in a few months I'll have a good stockpile of non-GMO meals in my pantry. Some meals have a shelf life of over a decade, so my wife just stores them in ice chests and then they can be accessed later if we need them. Also, some people buy GoFoods and add them to their regular menu. Either way, it's a good deal. Obviously, committing $100 a month to stored foods is a cheap insurance policy, so to subscribe to this food service just like I have, go to the following website, www.kcaafoods.com or call toll-free 855-909-1050. My name is Fred Lundgren. I'm the founder and CEO of KCAA Radio, and I agree with this message. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks, Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our health care system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Thanks, Alex. To purchase Longevity products, go to the KCAA website at kcaaradio.com and click on the Longevity banner on the upper right side of the KCAA homepage. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. like the battlefield. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to Call to Decision. I am Dr. Ron, and for Pastor Butch tonight, we are with you live, April 15th, 2013. You can also hear me on the Dr. Ron Show, which is on WWCR every Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, immediately following Alex Jones at 12.160 on your shortwave radio. 
That is every Tuesday afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern, immediately following Alex Jones, at 12.160 on your shortwave. What I have to say tonight is for informational purposes only. Neither the material I present or the herbal materials I will talk about have been evaluated by the FDA. Neither the material I will present nor the herbal... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.